0: traditionally the assessment seemed a bit disconnected with the actual role and and if anything an assessment you know can come across a friction don't conduct your analysis in isolation because data is so incredibly powerful not defending just the tribe, but defending the organization. Those creative people that you really want to keep empowered, keep excited, keep motivated, keep thinking. good
1: experience pays dividends down the line. Stereotypes tend to break down
0: in proximity.
1: Welcome, to We're Only Human, a podcast about human resources, business, technology, and the workplace. My name is Ben Eubanks, your host, and I'm so glad you're here. Hey, everyone. It's Ben Eubanks, host of We're Only Human. You know, our research shows that employers in the last year have put a lot more emphasis on things like minimizing bias in the hiring process. And one of the best ways to do that is through the use of something like an assessment. Right? It gives you insights into candidates and especially those insights that aren't easily observable during the interview. Right, Very objective, not so subjective like we happen to be as humans. And today we're going to dig into some of the conversation on what's happening with assessments. And in that that industry as a whole, what's happening there, some of the transformation. I'm really excited to dig into this and understand more about it myself. And I hope that you uh, come prepared to take some notes because we're gonna learn some good stuff today. Here's some, Here to share with us some of those insights is Jora Gill. He's the Chief Digital Officer at SHL. Welcome, Jora.
0: Thanks, man. Good to be here. Absolutely. So
1: just to give everybody a little bit of insights into who they're listening to for the next half hour or so, tell us a little about who you are and what you do.
0: So, as you said, I'm Jorah Gill, I've been with SHL a couple of years, I'm the Chief Digital Officer, and Chief Digital Officers come in um, different forms in different organizations. At SHL, we like to sort of look at it as a sort of digital, as a sort of combined entity of our research and development around, um, you know, assessment space, our engineering teams, our product teams, our product marketing teams and our project management office teams. So it's a holistic view of what we define as as digital. Um, And I can go into, you know, what our um, objectives are in the digital team. Prior to joining SHL, I was the Chief Digital Officer for The Economist, the uh, newspaper, where we were going through um, a journalistic um, content transformation. And prior to that, I've held a technology role. So I was a te- chief technology officer at various organizations such as Reed Elsevier and Standard & Poor's.
1: Awesome. Excellent. I can't remember if I told you this when we had the chance to meet last year in person, but it was. Being an economist was like my backup career choice <laughs> because I love the statistics world and everything else, and I was i always curious about human behavior. So maybe we we share that connection somewhere in our background where you you've uh, done some work at a, at the Economist, and it's one of those things I've always been connected to. That's fun. Um, so. Tell us a little about SHL as a company. What do they do for for some people that might not be as familiar with the the world of technology, the world of assessments, give them a little bit of insight into kind of the scope of the company and the work that the team does.
0: Yeah, sure. So SHL, um, we've been around for um, nearly 40 years now and started off, um, and we can get into what assessments are, but started off in a sort of traditional psychometric assessments and those were assessments um, really using the uh, industrial and occupational psychology to look at people's traits. So those traits would be around behaviours and personalities and cognitive ability. So really the focus was a bunch of very smart PhD R&D folks who'd started the organisation who wanted to look at assessments in a different way. At that point in 40 years 30, 40 years ago, the internet was really coming into its own. So, you know, we were moving away from pen and pencil and moving towards, you know, how do you do assessments online? And um, obviously those innovations have now moved on with the, the advent of mobile technologies and now the advent of big data and, and AI. So, uh, SHL, have, you know, held a lot of information and data on benchmarks across the globe. You know, what makes a great project manager you know, in the UK versus a great project manager in the US. Could they be the same to people? Could they be the same traits? So they use these benchmarks really to understand um, global roles, local roles in geographies, or right down to industry-type roles, you know, a project manager in retail versus a project manager in um, software engineering may be different. So SHL had sort of two arms to them, essentially, if I was sort of boiling it down and really simplifying it. One is around talent acquisition. How can we help organisations hire the right campus graduate fit for their needs? How can we help organisations hire the right managerial and leadership roles that we need in the 21st century? How can we hire um, the right professional technology or sales folks? Or the first entry level, volume level types of individuals working maybe in retail or hospitality. So that's one area talent um, acquisition where we help Uh, organizations which is really changing um, and we can delve a bit deep in in the trends we're seeing in this space the other area is talent management so how can we help you not only um, develop your talent but what leadership skills do you need given the the changing face of organizations in terms of technology coming in and disrupting many organizations or creating new opportunities so what's the the future for talent management when it comes to leaders of the future? How can employees develop themselves in this new world? Um, What's going to happen with Generation Z or Z um, and the Millennials? Because we know they operate slightly different in terms of their expectations of the workforce. So those are sort of two broad areas, but we do connect those together. So as you're acquiring um, new talent that's joining your organization, and how do you make the onboarding experience um, really engaging and exciting? So that's the sort of overall uh, SHL in this.
1: Awesome, excellent. Thank you for sharing that. Again, I, I follow the company and the work that's done for for quite a while. But for those people that don't that uh, don't spend their time reading up on the assessment space, I want to make sure they had a good understanding of the different capabilities there. And again, I, we're definitely going to talk about hiring, but if, I, if we have time, I'm going to wrap back into that talent management piece because I think that's a increasingly interesting point of view and conversation that employers need to be thinking about hiring not just for the job you can do today, but for the adaptability and the ability to do a job in the future. So, let's, let's level set on assessments a little bit mm-hmm. for the sake of the audience. What's what's the state of the industry look like today? What's the general sense you're getting from the buyers, the prospects, the companies that you're working with that are that are looking for assessments, the, the things they're using? Um, tell me a little bit about what you're seeing out there with your broad perspective. Sure.
0: So, so, so organizations um, today are um, you know looking in assessments. I would say sort of in three broad areas. If we just focused on the assessment. Um, one is, do we have the right skills? So, you know, as an organization, we know skills are changing constantly. Do we have the right skills? And can we assess for the right skills? Those could be sort of coding-type skills or language-type skills or, you know, nursing skills. Do we have the, you know, the right skills for our needs as an organization. The secondary organizations are focused on, You know, as well as the skills, do we have the right behaviors that we require in our organization? So do we have the right personalities, the right competencies that we're looking for within our unique organization, the uniqueness of our clients' needs? And the final area comes across as people's knowledge or expertise. Um, can we assess for you know um, the, the previous knowledge of an individual, that they you know could bring to our organization that we may have gaps in so predominantly it's three areas so the skills assessment the sort of behavioral or personality assessments and then the sort of knowledge does a person have the right experience do they have the right cognitive ability um, are they good at sort of solving problems um, if we need that um, requirement within the organization so those are the three broad areas that uh, we assess for
1: So one of the questions that I get sometimes or one of the conversations that I have with employers that are thinking about assessments is they automatically assume, okay, if I'm going to use an assessment in the hiring process, it's going to bog things down, it's going to slow down the process, it's going to mean that the, you know, the candidates aren't going to have this seamless, seamless experience, and they're not going to appreciate that or enjoy that. And so they'll just those kind of bail out. So they feel like, they're, they're setting themselves up. There's two mutually exclusive categories. There's a great candidate experience on one side and on the other, there's an assessment with all the validity and the science behind that. Can they, can they have both of those or is it still very much, you know, you, you made the joke a minute ago about pen and paper at one point, right? Being the, the way of doing that today, it's a little bit more modern, a little more intuitive, I would guess, but can they have both of those or is it still a choice they're having to make between a good experience and having a very valid and objective assessment of someone's abilities. No,
0: they, they can have both, and the assessment space has really moved on. I think I take your point that traditionally, the assessment seemed a bit disconnected with the actual um, role, and and if anything, given sort of the low levels of unemployment um, we see you know, in the world right now, an assessment, and clients have said this to me, you know, can come across a friction, and whereas on one side you're... you're you work really hard to find the candidate, and you know you want them to join, and then you get sort of an assessment that seems a bit disjointed from the role. We've spent um, quite a bit of time in looking in um, three areas around the assessment, and we've got I think we've got something quite unique. So, um, on one side, you're quite right. You know, you've got to attract. The, the right candidate and and you know that really goes to brand and it's not traditionally where assessment players have played but we think it's really important um that the to your point that the assessment doesn't sort of then come left field um once a candidate has actually understood the brand so it should be part of the process um the next one um, candidates really want to learn about your organization why would i why would I sort of even go as far as taking assessment? The final one is the assessment has to be part of the engagement process. And so it has to be relevant for the for the role that people are applying for. But the way, um, and we talk about this internally quite often, the way, you know, thanks to sort of social media and sort of uh, digital technologies, the way people apply for roles is significantly changed over the years so you know we used to call this initially as the linear model so you used to you know see a job or you know a job role on a job board you would understand what the job is about you may then talk to a recruiter uh, and then you may apply for the role by sending your resume or your CV and then you would be assessed and then you would decide and that used to be the linear way of working what we're seeing right now why why the whole model is changing in the digital model, we're seeing people just apply for multiple roles, and they may—some of them may not even be looking for a new job, but they—they still just apply for something that may interest them. Then they get contacted by a recruiter, and they're trying to remember what was this job that I applied for that I just did it online. Um, then they try to understand about the job, so the recruiter would then send you a job specification, um, and they understand the role, and then they formally apply and be assessed if they're actually engaged in the role. So I think the way of work and the way of applying is changing and assessments are changing. So we now do something called outcome-based assessments, which are more relevant to help businesses hire the right people and for the candidates to get an experience of what the the, the, the actual job role that they'll be working in. So, so, Ben, you may, you know, have seen a trend over the past uh, few years where gamification had really come into the assessment um, we, we, we sort of, we find it strange at SHL that you would do a gamify um, experience of something that's completely unrelated to the job that's actually at And you could be, you know, bursting balloons based on something. But we actually, what we want to do is create an experience for, our, for the candidates of organizations to say, look, you know, um, imagine if you're a candidate and you're, you know, you're a graduate from, or you, know, you just left, you know, a university, and you've got your first assignment. Um, and then your first assignment is to meet the CFO of a organization that you're a consultant for. And then you could sort of, you know, meet the CFO, and you'd be asked questions around problem solving or um, numerical type questions that are very relevant to the situation you find yourself. Next, you could be sort of meeting the you know chief technology officer and you may get a coding assessment um, or something that again looks at you know how you do deductive reasoning so i think the the point here is that the assessment questions that you get asked should be applicable to the roles that you're going to be applying for and you should be assessed against those the, the, what you described previously was a battery of assessments that seemed unrelated and you were unsure of you know why you're even doing this so it's seen as friction so the world of assessments certainly at shl has changed significantly over the past couple of years
1: hmm. well not that you need the validation i want to give you a little bit anyway but not that you need it for me but we actually did a survey and talk to candidates themselves, because I'd always heard anecdotally when I was working in HR and recruiting, having to deliver these assessments for certain types of roles, I'd always heard, like, people hate these, they're going to drop out of the process, and what I found in the study was candidates hate general assessments that have no tie to their actual job. They can't see a line of sight between the two, but as you were saying a minute ago, the outcomes-based approach, when they see some sort of clear line of sight between the things they're doing in that assessment and the things they'd be doing in the actual job the tasks the types of skills if they're being assessed on those types of things that are related they feel better even if they don't get the job they feel better about the process because they feel like they've had a chance to really show what they can do i had a chance to to demonstrate my very best and i was a evaluated on my very best that I had to offer instead of being evaluated purely based on how you structured your resume or how you wrote your objective statement on your CV. And those things you and I know are not predictive of someone's ability to do the job. So it was really interesting to see that in the data that that candidates don't mind if there's some sort of connection there. So. Again, that, I thought that was really intriguing to hear you. You've seen that on your side of the, the practical side of it, actually delivering these to, to candidates. They appreciate that. That perspective, employers probably appreciate, hey, well, let's find out if they can actually do the job before we make an offer to them. It's, it seems logical, but it's, it's come yeah, a long way. I think way, the other like thing
0: said. is that candidates want the process to be fair. So you mentioned it earlier, they, they yeah. want to be known that I'm being assessed fairly against other candidates there's no bias um, coming in and it is you know assessments um, done done properly and relevant to the job with the validity behind it is the fairest uh, unbiased way of working um, in terms of candidate selection and I think the final thing that I'd like to add Ben is you know we're also considering about what about the candidates who don't get the job so you know out of 20 candidates if one candidate gets the role or the job what about the 19 they've gone through this process so what we're doing and what we've started doing recently is actually providing some feedback if organizations are willing to give it on the candidates that didn't give the role. They could go through a, a behavioral type assessment and, you know, the competencies an organization were looking for may be different um, from the kind of competencies that the candidate um, has but I think it's always good to give some feedback so we've gone down this feedback route which seems to be exciting a number of our clients where you know even the 19 that didn't get the role out of the the one out of the 20 who did we would say look here's some real strengths here's three strengths about you you know three areas of strength in your competencies and here's some three things that you could develop Um, it could be anything from you know, your sort of ability to to execute in detail or or to read in detail, to order your strategic thinking. But I think rewarding people for going through the process and actually also rewarding them for going through an assessment, I think it will play more and more an essential part of um, how organizations recognize their brand. And actually, you know, we're actually looking at things not only, you know, which is a completely different uh, world from where we were, The assessment starts with the candidates also assessing the organization and the candidate is assessing the organization straight from, you know, where they're recognizing the brand. So now we've really sort of gone into the whole sort of analytics piece. It's quite plays quite a big part in in how we think. And we're even feeding back organizations, you know, the way you're representing your brand, we're seeing a lot of drop off at the beginning of the assessment or the way you're representing, you know, the role we're seeing drop offs or real interest. And obviously, you know, our traditional assessments, were going to be sort of saying, you know, was the did we see any drop offs in the candidate engagement during the assessment? And then the feedback, you know, are we seeing sort of improved net performance scores for you as an organization by giving candidates something back, a feedback loop at the end of it.
1: Pretty impressive to think that an employer is not just when they come they could i would imagine a lot of them think we're buying an assessment we're buying a, a discrete unit and it's going to this transaction is going to happen and we're going to find out more with candidates but to learn that you are actually going steps beyond that to try to create this better insight into the process overall but also on the candidate side trying to partner with employers to give the candidates a better insight into themselves and more more confidence in the hiring process the next time they go to apply for a job, they didn't get it. Hey, they know what to emphasize next time because their strengths, there's some actual data there, some objective information that helps them to decide what to do and what to approach next. I think that's a really powerful way of looking at this overall process and how that might be another area where this has shifted in the market as a whole, right? Because the employer is not just getting the, the assessments and it's packaged and it's done and whatever happens, happens but you're actually going into the service side and helping to create this better experience overall and partnering with them to really help candidates feel better about not just the process they went through, but the employer that put them through that. And I, I, for, for the candidate, they might not know, you know, SHL as a brand, but they knew they, they took that assessment with XYZ company and they, they perceive however you treated them to be how the company treated them and how they felt cared for. So that's a really powerful piece of that process. I think that, we call it human centric hiring, but I think um, you really touched on some of those key points of that. That's really, really intriguing. So one of the questions I wanted to ask you, and I've been saving this one because I'm really curious about this and, you know, I've written the book on AI and how it can be used for hiring and everything else. It is everyone's favorite buzzword. It seems like, I'm calling 2020 the year of practical AI, though. It's about really getting beyond just the buzzword and using actual use cases to solve real problems. How is AI impacting the assessment space in some practical ways?
0: So, um, if you take our um, skills assessments, uh, and we have assessments um, around uh, coding, so um, really assessing somebody's technical ability, you know. Read and write code and spot spot errors. Um, now, traditionally, the way you would assess this is you would, without AI, which we've applied to it, you would, you know, do a problem statement and then you would ask somebody to write code. And um, they would compile the code and then you would look at the output of the code. Now, if they were unable to compile the code because, you know, it had had a an error in it, the code would fall over and you would immediately reject that candidate. Um, We've got this whole mantra of, you know, don't let the good ones, you know, disappear. So, you know, anybody who's out there coding and, you know, coding is a structure, it's a language um, like any other language. And and like a language, it has a certain grammar to it and a certain, you know, um, structure to it. So somebody may have just missed a comma or added a comma in the wrong place in their code. And that caused... The code to fall over, and you rejected a really good candidate who who may have had written some brilliant code, but because you know they've made one flaw, um, it caused their, their code to fall over. What our AI technology is really started looking at is, you know, what about if you could just read the code like you would read, you know, an assessment, or you would read, you know, a different skill, and you could actually structure the code, and structure mm-hmm. the assessment, and score going. Actually, you know, this is really good code. So we've actually applied AI technologies, uh, machine learning technologies, um, using sort of, I don't want to go down the buzzword route, but using sort of natural language processing that can actually score somebody's code. We could apply now this to languages, and we're applying it now to some of our traditional development center work or assessment center work. So I quite agree with you. I think AI became a buzzword. But it didn't really have a use case in, in, you know, a lot of the HR spaces. I think HR have sort of, you know, now looking at it sort of, you know, let's start with the problem statement first. The problem statement may, may be that you've got a huge campaign to hire, you know, it's the Christmas season and you want to hire a lot of people at your retail organization. You haven't got enough HR folks to assess everybody and you haven't got enough HR folks to um, look at their resumes. You know, how could AI actually help you there, sort of, you know, by automatically scoring and sort of, you know, based on on the answers. So I quite agree with you. I think the way we're looking at AI is we start with the application first and then we go, how could AI actually either improve, which we don't always look for because it's still linear, or how would you sort of radically think of, you know, what you're trying to achieve using AI technologies in a different way so that's how we're looking at ai we've got multiple use cases i'm happy to go through multiple but i thought the coding one was quite interesting uh, how we look at skills assessments
1: absolutely like you said that's there could be a single character in that entire that entire snippet of code that someone puts together and just because they miss a single character it would it would kick them out of the process, but they might also, they might be the, they might ultimately be the best candidate out of the the entire bunch because they missed, they had everything else. Correct. So I think that's a really interesting way of looking at it. And I love, again, I'm always thinking of those, those, those areas where humans are humans are prone to error, right? It's easy to look at. It's a very structured sort of pr- approach. And anywhere where those sorts of things kind of come together is a really good opportunity. There's typically a good problem statement we can, we can craft out of that, as you were saying, it's for AI to try to tackle that problem and do it in a better and more, more level way than a human could by just coming in there and trying to, trying to do that manually. So I love that example. It's a really good one. And I think that's an awesome way to kind of wrap this up and, and reinforce this idea that as you were saying, right, AI can do some really powerful things. It can do amazing things in the hiring process. We also talked about the, the human piece, though, and, and how important that is. To, assessments are all about getting to understand the human behind behind that resume and what do they bring and what are the capabilities and everything else. So I think this has been really a fun conversation to dig into those sides of it and bring it back around to, to creating more, more personal experiences. Um, if someone wants to learn more about SHL, the work the team is doing, what's the best and way to do that?
0: I would start by going on shl.com. You can see a lot of um, um, thought leadership pieces written by our psychologist on the future of sort of the some of the outcome-based assessments that I talked about where we can sort of we're connecting assessments to business drivers, we're trying to bring HR and business leaders closer together and help organizations achieve their goals by, you know, hiring the right talent. Um so I would start there. You could go to our Twitter page if you want to sort of, you know, provide any feedback. But shl.com is a really good starting point. There's a, there's a whole wealth of information that's absolutely free to anybody who just wants to look a bit more around what are our assessments and how could they benefit from my organization to actually, how could SHL help our organization grow, or attract the right talent and develop the right talent?
1: Wonderful. Thank you for sharing that, Jora. This has been a, a fun conversation for me. I hope everybody else is really, again, I've, I've got a lot of notes here. I hope everyone else has has um, taken the time to to gather some of these insights too, though, because I think there's there's so much here we can learn about how to create a better hiring process and to treat people more humanly throughout it. Um, I really appreciate you that sharing your pleasure, time with ben. us today.
0: Thank you, thank you for allowing me um, to uh, speak. Um and towards your podcast. I know you've got a great following and, and I hope uh, that this was valuable for all the people who listen in. Awesome. Awesome. Excellent.
1: To everyone else, thank you again for joining us today on We're on the Human. This has been Eubanks, your host, and we will catch you next time. Thank you so much for joining me on the show today. I'm honored to have you as a listener. If you enjoyed this episode, please take 10 seconds to rate it at iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Also, if you know a friend that could benefit from today's conversation, please pass it their way. After all, a rising tide lifts all ships. To see show notes, sponsor information, and our full show archives, visit onlyhumanshow.com.